Over the next few months, we're going to be starting a new sermon series, and you may have noticed I'm not Pastor Jeff. Um, We're going to have opportunity over the next few months to hear uh, several different people uh, up here and preaching from the book of Psalms. And the the Psalms are a great source of, of wisdom and a great source of truth in the Bible, and throughout the The past few years, you've heard sermons from the Psalms kind of sprinkled in here and there. Um, There's much that we can learn. In particular, in the Psalms, we see a very personal interaction between the psalmist and the God that we serve. And many of the the Psalms in the Bible spring forth from, from certain specific circumstances in the psalmist's life. And it's just a great uh, opportunity that we have looking at the Psalms to see how a real Christian or a real person who loves God interacts with the different circumstances of his life and the God that serves, that he serves. And so it's it's really an opportunity and a privilege for us to, to be able to read through the Psalms, to glean understanding from them, and... If you'd like to know how to worship, read the Psalms. If you'd like to know how to handle different circumstances of your life, read the Psalms. They're so good. One of the aspects of human nature that the Psalms reveal is the the innermost desires of our humanity. These are things that we search for in this life. And In this series of sermons, that's exactly what we're going to be looking at. We'll look at the Psalms, and we're going to see how, as human beings, we search for certain things in this life. We search for leadership. We search for peace, for justice, for security, for wisdom, for contentment, for deliverance, for healing, for restoration. Those are a few things that we're going to be covering in the sermon series, ultimately all of these desires are met in God. And we're going to see how the Psalms point us to that truth. In searching for these things, there are some pitfalls that we want to avoid. But we also want to, to recognize the fact that the search for these things in and of themselves is not bad. It's just, it's part of who God has made us to be. We can go after these things in ways that that lead to sin and lead to wrong thinking, but we can also go after these things in righteous ways, in truly fulfilling ways. And so that's what we want to focus on over the next few months, is how do the Psalms point us to the things that we are searching for in life, and how can we go on this search in a way that is pleasing to God, and ultimately we're going to see how in each and every one of these things, the ultimate answer is God. And the ultimate answer is Christ. Because in him, we have everything. We have all the needs that we could ever dream of met in Christ. Hallelujah, right? So, 
I would encourage you also during this time, if you have never read through the Psalms, take these next couple of months and, and read through them. Add them into your uh, Bible reading schedule, whatever that may be. They are a great source of encouragement, of, of comfort, and of wisdom for us. So, so read the Psalms. And also, uh, having said that, come prepared each week, having read the Psalm that we're going to be talking about, and you'll find much more uh, than you would otherwise. So read the Psalms. For this morning's message, we're going to be looking at Psalm 146. So if you have your Bible, grab it and uh, turn to Psalm 146. If you forgot your Bible or if you don't have one, there are some uh, under the seats in front of you. I would encourage you to grab one of those. And if, if you don't own a Bible, take that one with you. We'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word. It's, it's precious. And it is our, our light in this world so we need, to, we need to have the Bible, we need to love it, we need to read it. So, Psalm 146, let's read together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me one more time? Lord, Thank you for your word, and thank you for the insight into ourselves that it gives. Thank you for working through the writers of the Psalms to instruct and inspire us today as we read them several thousand years after they were written. Lord, you will give us understanding if we ask and if we search for it in your word. So Lord, we pray that you will make it known to us today. Will you help us this morning to understand our need of leadership, our desire for leadership? And will you help us to see that you ultimately are the leader that we can put our hope in and that we can look to for help? Lord, I ask this morning that you would help me to, to speak clearly and correctly about your word. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that that your word would affect us, that it would change our hearts and our minds, that we would see you more clearly through it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, if you didn't guess by reading the psalm and by my prayer there, 
the, the topic that we're looking at this morning is leadership. And to fit with the, the sermon series, it's, we're looking particularly uh, this morning at the search for leaders or the search for leadership in our lives. Now, you may think, well, I don't need a leader, but you do. You may think, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm really searching for leadership, but you are. You might just not know it. This is one of those things in life that we all intrinsically do, and sometimes it's, it's obvious to us, and sometimes it's not so obvious. We see it everywhere. We see it at work. We see it in politics. We see it on the playground. I remember uh, growing up when my friends would get together, there would be a group of us, and maybe you can uh, relate to this, but you know, five or six of us would get together and then somebody would ask the question. Do you know what question it is? What do you want to do? Right? You got a group of people. What do you want to do? And what was the answer? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to do? Right? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> and, and, you know, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I remember this very clearly, wasting hours of my life sitting with my friends going, well, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> and, and what we needed at that point was a leader. <laughs> we needed somebody to say, let's do this. And eventually, somebody in the group would, would stir up enough courage or would have a good enough idea to, to step out into that leadership position and say, let's do this. And the rest of us, would happily follow after because we were just glad that we weren't the ones in charge. We were following our newfound leader. It, it seems silly, but we do the same thing today as adults, don't we? How many of you have been at a, at a church meeting or something where a, an idea is put forth and you think, yeah, that's a great idea? And then comes the dreaded question, who will volunteer to lead this ministry? And all of a sudden, the eyes go down. <laughs> Boy, I sure hope somebody volunteers for that. <laughs> sure couldn't be me, right? And after a while, somebody raises their hand and volunteers, and the rest of the group goes, whew don't have to be the leader. But we need leaders, don't we? We all seek leaders. We need leaders for, for certain positions in church, at work, just in friendships, in the family. Leadership is a needed thing. Well, surely not I, right, Lord? <laughs> that I'm sure you know, goes through our minds in circumstances like that. Maybe you're sitting there and thinking, Ryan, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm always willing and able, and I step up 
well, you're probably a born leader, so thank God for you. <laughs> because we need people like that, and there are people who are naturally just, they go that way, they, they take charge, they lead. I have to admit, I think I married somebody like that. She's not here, she's leading the kids. <laughs> um, but praise God for her and praise God for people like her who, who step up to that call for leadership. It's, it's a valuable thing, it's a needed thing. Leadership is something that, that we look for in almost every aspect of our lives. We want good teachers for our kids. We want a good principal to give direction and leadership to the school. Parents flock to certain sports programs because they have a reputation for good leadership. Both of my kids have taken swim lessons from the Fife Pool. Why? Because they have good leadership. They're organized. They do a good job training those kids how to swim. And they have a reputation for that. We look for good leadership and things like that. We want a doctor who cares for us, but also provides good leadership in our health care, right? Everywhere we look, we want leadership in our financial institutions. We want good leadership. We don't want to lose all the money that we invest. We want good leaders in political areas, right? We want leaders that would represent us and our values. We look for leaders all over the place in every aspect of our lives. Now, like I said, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is a good thing. It's part of the way that God has made us as human beings. And one of the things that you see throughout the Bible is God providing leadership. God creating institutions that we are to follow. God putting leadership in the home. God appreciates leadership and ultimately he is the leader. He is the leader that we are all looking for. Here's another interesting thing about leadership. When things are going well, Everyone's happy, right? But when times are tough and things aren't going well, who do we blame? The leader, right? We look to them for help. We look to them for hope. We want someone to step up and say, I can fix this. I can make things right. And when someone does that, we have the tendency to put our hope in that leader to look to them for help. We want someone to make everything right for us. And this is what this psalm addresses this morning. One of the commentaries I, I read uh, stated it very uh, succinctly. Leaders are idols. Or they can be idols in our lives. If we are looking to the wrong source for leadership, it can draw our attention, it can draw our worship, it can draw our praise 
away from the one who truly deserves it. So this psalm is, is a, a plea to look to the right place to find your true leader. Uh, a few facts about this psalm. Uh, these aren't incredibly important, but they, they'll give you a little bit of, of context about where this uh, psalm fits in the overall scheme of the book of Psalms. Uh, psalm 146 is the first of what is called the, the Hallelujah Psalms. If you look at the last five Psalms uh, in the book of Psalms, you'll notice that they all start and end with the same phrase. Uh, some of your Bibles will say Hallelujah. Some of your Bibles will say Praise the Lord. They're, they're one and the same thing. And when, when the Psalms were organized, these, these Psalms were put at the end to, to be a fitting end for the book of Psalms, to draw our attention to the one who is truly worthy of our praise and our adoration. And that is the Lord. He has done great and marvelous things. And that is what these last Psalms proclaim and this, this psalm in particular, Psalm 146, uh, comes first and establishes the fact that the Lord is the leader that we've all been looking for. So praise him. Praise his name. Hallelujah. In technical terms, having the same phrase at the start and end is called inclusio. And it just, it, it sums up what the psalm is about. This psalm is about praising God for who he is and for what he has done. If we look at this, this psalm verse by verse, of course, I just told you that it starts out this way, but look at verse one. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And that, that word Hallelujah, or the phrase praise the Lord, it comes from two, uh, two words, halal and yah. And halal basically means praise. Um, that may ring a bell in your mind. There is, if you're familiar with Jewish uh, culture, there is a, a prayer called the halal. That's not these psalms, but it's, it's a group of psalms earlier in the book that that the Jews memorize and recite on special occasions, but it's all pointed towards praising God for who he is. And that is what this phrase means, praise the Lord. And it's a, it's a serious thing for us to consider how we should praise the Lord. And, and saying hallelujah is in one part a command and in one part a, a praise in and of itself. Now, I was convicted, I guess, <laughs> as I read some of the, the commentators on this because my, uh, my familiarity with this word hallelujah, um, I, I have to admit, sometimes I, I think I, I say it and I don't stop and think what I'm really saying. Um, Growing up as a kid, I, I remember this, and I don't think my mom's here this morning. Uh, but and this is not to slight my mom at all, but <laughs> when we would go out shopping, 
uh, whether it was to the grocery store or wherever we were going, it wasn't uncommon if there was a front row parking spot that we got to park in. It wasn't uncommon for us to break out into a stirring rendition of the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah. We got a front row parking spot. You know, and I don't think that that's necessarily wrong, but at the same time, what a silly thing, <laughs> you know, to, to, to say, hallelujah, praise God, I got a parking spot. Now, big picture, yes, we should praise God for good parking spots. But at the same time, you know, I mean, God provides everything, but at the same time, praising and worshiping our Lord is the, the most significant thing that we can do with our lives. So to say hallelujah is, is a significant phrase. And when you look at this, uh, this first verse here, it says praise the Lord, but then it's interesting because he repeats himself. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Now we're not, we're not um, real sure about who is writing this psalm. Some people say it's David. Uh, some people point to the, the ministry of Haggai. Uh, others think it could be somebody else. But the point is, this is a, an interesting thing that the author is doing. He's just said, praise the Lord. But now he's saying to himself, praise the Lord, O my soul. He, he's reminding himself. He's just told you, praise the Lord. And now he's looking at himself and saying, praise the Lord, O my soul. And it's not just a, a, a light quip or something that, you know, he's just saying, oh, praise the Lord. He's really commanding himself, his very soul, to stop and to consider and to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. From my innermost parts, I need to be thinking about and praising the Lord. On to verse 2, and we see that he says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. And again, he's, he's focusing himself and he's focusing us as the readers on the point of this psalm. And it is praising the Lord in many various ways. He talks about singing praises to God while he has his being. You know, it's, it's not by accident that we started singing as a church. You know, when we come together, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, one of the first things that we do is we start singing, right? And there's a point to that. It's not just to sing some cool songs, but it's to really praise God for who he is, for what he's done. It's to focus our minds and to focus our hearts on the one that we claim to serve and the one that we claim to love. We need to praise God with everything that is in us. Praise him through singing. Praise him with our innermost being, our soul. And how long do we get to do this? 
for as long as we live. And that is a great privilege and a great honor to be able to go through our whole lives singing praise to God, honoring him with our thoughts is, is an amazing privilege that we have as believers. So don't take this lightly. Praising God is, is an amazing privilege and it's something that we're commanded to do and it's something that we need to encourage each other in. That's the psalmist intro to this. And now we kind of get into the meat of what the psalm is talking about. And we get into this discussion on leadership. And you may think that this transition between praising and then starting to talk about leadership might be kind of an awkward transition. But it's really not. Because as long as we are praising God and thanking God for who he is and what he's done, chances are in our hearts and our minds, we will have him in his rightful place as leader. Unfortunately, as human beings, as weak and as prone to sin as we are, one of the first things that, that we tend to do is complain. And when we start to complain, when we start to um, take for granted the things around us, when we start to lose our praise and adoration for God, a couple of things happen. Number one, we start to uh, look elsewhere for true leadership. Because God isn't enough. He hasn't, he hasn't done what I want him to do, so I'm going to look somewhere else for those things. And, and this is the case here in talking about leadership. If we aren't praising the Lord, if we aren't rightfully ascribing to him true leadership over our lives and true leadership over the universe, then the consequences of that is we start to look lower and we start to look at other leaders in our lives, and we start to put our hope in them. And verse 3 says plainly, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. So leadership is something we're looking for, and the psalmist tells us pretty clearly here where not to look for true leadership. As I said earlier, leaders can be idols. And we all hopefully realize that, that our hearts, our minds are prone to wander from worshiping the Lord and prone to clinging to different idols in our lives. And this is just one idol that the psalmist is warning us against. Don't put your trust in princes. Now, that word princes, um, it can be a, a general term for people of influence or people of leadership, but specifically, it kind of has this political authority kind of tone to it. And 
so the person that the, that the psalmist is saying don't trust is he's saying don't trust those people in those leadership positions. And, you know, specifically, it could be political. Uh, it could be um, anyone really, though, who has a position of leadership in your life. Now, wait a second. I thought that we were supposed to uh, submit to authority, right? Yes, we are. So is there some sort of uh, mistake here? I mean, what's the story? Are we supposed to submit or no? Well, the Bible is clear about submitting to different authorities. Romans uh, chapter 13 clearly says in verse 1 that we are to submit to authorities and, and to see them as placed there by God himself. Kids, you're supposed to submit to the authority of your parents. Ephesians chapter 6. So there is submission to authority that the Bible uh, says is good. The key here, though, is actually found in, in verse 5, where the psalmist says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. This is, I think, the key to this whole psalm. When he says blessed or happy, um, he's saying you'll do well in this life and in the next if you look to the God of Jacob for your help and if you look to him for your hope. And the reason I say this is key is because if you take that idea of who do you ultimately look Two, for help and hope in this world, and apply that back to verse three, what I believe the psalmist is saying is don't put your ultimate trust or your ultimate hope or your ultimate um, help in humans because it's unwarranted. They will fail. Don't put your trust in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Now, surely throughout history, there have been leaders who have saved in different ways, but in an eternal way, there's only one. Amen? And it's God, through his work in the life of Jesus Christ, his son, on the cross, through the resurrection, that brings true salvation. And the psalmist is pointing to the fact that that ultimately human leadership fails. It cannot bring true salvation. Only God can bring the salvation that we really need. Not only can man not bring salvation, but what's the other problem with man? He dies, right? If you look at verse four, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. We see this a lot in politics. Someone comes in, they're looking to take a particular office, and boy, they promise the world, don't they? 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Vote for me. I'm your savior, basically. That's what a lot of people are saying. But here's the thing. They're not. And they're going to die. And their plans are going to fall flat. And they're going to fail. You know, even if you look at the, the American political system, a president may get elected and he may have the best intentions and the best plans, but then four years later, his term is up and everything that he's worked for and strived for can be undone like that. And he's not even dead. He's still alive. But his plans are gone. So what certainty do you have? in putting your trust and hope in man. You don't have much. Very little. And yet, what do we do as humans? We idolize these people. We, well, I don't know how, how many toes I want to step on. We put bumper stickers on our cars as if they're our messiah but they're not, you know, and, but it's the, the heart of man wants to look toward leaders for help and for hope. And the psalmist knows this and he says, stop. Why? Because ultimately they cannot provide the help and the hope that we really need. But who can? Who is the leader who can? Praise God for verse five. Let's look at it. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Here is the one who can truly help. Here is the one who in him we can really have hope. Now, I, I was looking around at different uh, websites, and I found a website that um, gave a, a general outline for making a, a political speech, somebody running for office. And there were three basic things that they said you should include in that speech. Number one, your qualifications. Number two, what can I do for you? And number three, your promise. So your qualifications, the what can I do for you, and then your promise to the people. And I think it's interesting because I see the rest of these verses fitting into that basic outline. Verse 5 has, has set forth that God is the, our true leader. He is the one who we should really look to for help and for hope. And now, why? Well, let's look at some of his qualifications. Verse 6, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. One of the first qualifications that, that God gives for himself is, hey, look around. <laughs> I made this. Anybody else say that? No? You're right. They can't. 
I made this with my power and with my understanding. And here's a challenge for you guys. Look into it. Study it. Study creation. And the more that you do, the more you'll be blown away. The more you will see how things fit together in intricate, complex ways that could never happen by random chance. There has to be something more than just boom. You know, there is a creator, and this psalm is saying that it's God. He is the one who created everything, who understands everything, who makes everything move, and because of that, he can help. He can do things. He's powerful. He's mighty. He made everything. You know, and so often in our day and age, we hear that, well, science and religion don't mix. They do. They absolutely do. And, and the more that secular science tries to explain things without God, the sillier they sound. How can something come from nothing, you may ask? Well, the answer is, according to secular science, well, actually, uh, everything did come from nothing, but nothing is actually something. Uh, wait a second, I don't, I don't understand. You're saying nothing is something? Well, yeah, but how can nothing be something? Well, because everything came from something, right? Right, but you just said everything came from nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, we know that everything came from something, but there is no God out there or anything else. So whatever that something is, we know that it's actually nothing because, you know, we can't trace things back to something because then there would be something, but... That's something we're going to call nothing because without God, there's nothing that lasts forever, right? I mean, things don't last forever and on and on it goes and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's silly. God is the one who created. He is the one with the power. Not only did he create everything, uh, but another qualification is he keeps faith forever. He is faithful. And if you... Look through the story of the Bible, you see over and over and over again the faithfulness of God to his people, delivering them from, from kings and delivering them from pestilence. And you just see the faithfulness of God. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17 uh, says this, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed that all the Gentiles might hear it. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, in my time of need, everybody abandoned me but the Lord. He was faithful and he strengthened me so that the message might be proclaimed. He's faithful. Not only is he faithful, but he is the one who executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry this is the God who is saying, serve me, 
Trust in me. I will be your help. He's the creator. He's faithful. He gives justice to the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Those are his qualifications. But now he goes on and he says, and here's what I'll do for you. And many people look at the, the very end of verse 7 all the way uh, through verse 8 and 9 as being messianic, meaning they're referencing Christ and his work. And if you just read through that and think about what you know about the life of Christ, it's amazing. Let's do that. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Now, if we could go through this phrase by phrase, but you know, just quickly, in Jesus, the Lord has set the prisoner free. We were slaves to our sin, and through him, hallelujah, by grace, through faith, we are set free. Now, literally, you can look through the Bible and see instances of prisoners being set free. Paul, several times. In the Old Testament, people being set free. Daniel being delivered from jail. And you see the prisoner set free. But specifically in Christ, the prisoner is set free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Again, literally, Jesus did this several times in his ministry, making the blind see. But then again, if you think about our sin and our blindness, our spiritual blindness, he is the one who gives us sight. Through him, we become aware of our sin and our need for a savior, and we truly see the world as it is. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. There are many times throughout history, again, read the Old Testament, where, uh, where people were brought low only to be encouraged and strengthened by God. And ultimately, again, in Christ, those who are weak become what? Strong. The Lord loves the righteous. Now, this may be a hard thing for some of you to grasp because you think, well, I'm not righteous. Well, newsflash for you. By grace, through faith, in Christ, you are the righteousness of God. Romans tells us over and over again that Christ's righteousness is given to us or imputed to us. And so when Christ and God looks at you, if you are in him, you are righteous. And he loves you. The Lord watches over the sojourners or the foreigners. And again, we see this in uh, Jesus having the, the audacity to talk to a Samaritan. I mean, that wasn't done. They were foreigners. They were scum of the earth. And yet, Jesus reached out to the foreigner. And again, looking through the, the whole story of the Bible, we see foreigners brought into the blessing of God. Rahab, you remember her? prostitute from Jericho in the line of Christ. A foreigner brought into the blessings of God. 
He upholds the widow and the fatherless. In Luke chapter 7, we have uh, an account of, of Jesus healing a widow's son. There we have both of them, a widow and someone who's fatherless. And he cares and he heals in Luke 7, 11 through 16. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. And here's the ultimate uh, promise. That death and sin aren't the winners. Their way is ruined. And it's ruined on the cross and in the empty grave. And in the fact that our, our Savior lives and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? And here's one more thing. God has the qualifications. He has the promises to be the good leader. But look at verse 10. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. And here's the contrast that we see in this psalm. How long does the human ruler reign? Not long, right? I mean, it could be months. It could be years. But even if they reign for 80 years or 100 years, that's a drop in the bucket compared to forever. And that's what God says. His promise to us is, here are my qualifications. Here's what I'm going to do. And trust me, because I'm going to reign forever. You don't have to worry about me passing away and my plans failing. You don't have to worry about somebody else getting elected to the position of God and coming up with a totally new plan. I'm it. I am God and I will reign forever. So if you want help and if you want a place to put your hope, here it is. It's me. So we see this, this contrast in this psalm. Leadership is something that, that we want, we need, we search for, and we're tempted to, to go towards human leadership as our ultimate source of, of hope and help. But the psalmist is saying, don't do that. Don't put your ultimate hope in humans because they'll fail. Put your hope in God. Look to him for help. And the, the practical side of this is, hallelujah, then when humans fail us, we don't have to be devastated. Because if our true hope is in the Lord, we realize, number one, it's going to happen. And when it does, hey, God's still on his throne. He's still in charge. So Lord, help me deal with this, you know, change that's going on with this uh, loss that maybe I've experienced. But Lord, ultimately, I rest in you. I look to you for my help and you for my hope. And thank God that through Christ, you have accomplished all that you have promised. 
and you will finally someday make all of this come together when Christ returns. And so we have this, this awesome opportunity in this psalm to, to look back and to see how God has helped and how he has provided, to see that in, in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, to see it ultimately in Christ, but then to look forward to it when he returns. And over all of this plan, God reigns. And he is the one who's saying, look to me. Look to me. Yes, I know you need leaders. I'm going to provide good leaders. But ultimately, look to me. And really, the true measure of a leader is the amount that they point you to Christ. And the amount that they are in line with God's plan. If they're not, then they can't fully be trusted. So leadership is, is something that we all need, we all look for, and I hope that our encouragement this morning is to, to look to God as our ultimate leader and specifically to look to what Christ has done and, and to be amazed and to follow after him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength in every aspect of our lives. And overall, if we do that, the result, hallelujah, praise God, right? He is our leader. He is qualified. He makes good on his promises. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this psalm and the time that we've had to, to look at it and ponder it. Lord, I pray that, that in our lives we would look to you for our help, for our hope. And Lord, we recognize that there are leaders all around us, and that's a good thing. Help us to be respectful. Help us to honor those in leadership, but Lord, help us to, to only put as much hope in them as, as they put their hope in you. Lord, I hope that, um, that in our hearts and our minds, we would set you apart as the true king, the true leader of our lives and everything around us. Lord, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.